0: Hey everybody, happy Sunday, my conversation with Miles Rutherford. After this conversation, over 100 people gave their life to the Lord. That's right, so listen carefully, and maybe you will give your life to Jesus. Email us as always, freedom at charliekirk.com. Subscribe to our podcast and get involved with Turning Point USA at tpusa.com. That is tpusa.com. Become a member, it's members.charliekirk.com. That's members.charliekirk.com. Buckle up, everybody. Here we go. Charlie, what you've done is incredible here. Maybe
1: Charlie Kirk is on the college campus. I
0: want you to know we are lucky to have Charlie Kirk.
2: Charlie Kirk's running the White House, folks.
0: a company that specializes in gold IRAs and physical delivery of precious metals. Learn how you could protect your wealth with Noble Gold Investments at noblegoldinvestments.com. That is noblegoldinvestments.com. It's where I buy all of my gold. Go to noblegoldinvestments.com. Thank you, everybody. Please take a seat. Thank you. It's been a while since we've seen each other. It's been too long. And, uh... Who was at America Fest? That was, wasn't that a great event? Oh my goodness. Um, we, we are in the year, everybody. It is 2024. And it is time to put our working shoes on and to focus on what really matters. We have an amazing guest tonight. I want to dive right in. Um, he is preaching the word in the great state of Georgia, and he is one of the most important and viral pastors out there. And, you know, before I introduce our guest, I just want to encourage all of you and to make sure you're ready for the spiritual warfare ahead of you in this critical year. And you are in a state that is going to determine the future of the entire civilization. And this event, we are now going to be doing it every single month leading into The fall and leading into the end of the year is going to just keep on growing and keep on scaling. And we have some amazing surprises in store for you. So let's dive right into it. Join me in welcoming our guest tonight, Miles Rutherford. So, Miles, I have to start. Uh, You have a shirt that says Preacher. Yes, sir.
2: What does that mean? Well, uh, how y'all doing, everybody? I'm from Atlanta, so if my accent's a little thick, that's why. Um, preacher, the Bible says that we're supposed to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Preaching doesn't follow ordination. A lot of people think that you have to be ordained to be a preacher. While I do agree you need Bible college and you need all the education you can get, preaching follows salvation. So when you look at the word preach in the Bible, it comes from two words. Number one, Uangelizo, and the second one is Caruso. And I think many people think that preaching is just simply spreading the good news. But if you take a deeper dive into the word preaching, Charlie, it's the word Caruso. Caruso means to cry out as an eternal reward as a town crier. In other words, somebody speaks from eternally uh, being concerned about their life instead of temporary And I think where we have missed things in America for much of uh, the gospel for the last 20 years is we've stopped preaching, convictional, repentance preaching, and it has caused a secret sensitive mentality in our church where we have adapted to a consumer mentality and people now come thinking church is about them rather than Jesus.
0: I love that. So tell us about... What does that look like? How does that manifest as you run your church? And how do you talk about what you mean by seeker sensitive and how you run your church?
2: Well, we're called to lift up the name of Jesus. That's the first and foremost. Uh, we cannot cater to sin. The moment you cater to anybody of any appetite of sin, uh, you give them a, to- you tolerate it. I think what, w- what what we do in our church is we choose to preach and he. Eat- a word that is very eternally centered Um, in other words I'm thinking of their eternity more so I'm thinking of not just their eternity I'm thinking of their children's eternity so like when when my wife and I uh, preach the gospel we're not even looking at the people on the stage from the stage we're looking at their children's children because we are one generation away from a godless society that's what this book is about so when you think of it that way, and you've only got so many years left, you know, you watch these boxers. I don't know if you watch boxers, but I, I grew up, I watched um, Mike Tyson, I watched Evander Holyfield. I was on the plane here and I was watching George Foreman. That was an amazing movie about how he turned his life to Christ. But when, when fighters fight, they fight different in the last round. When they know they've got to put it all on the canvas, and I think that's where we are right now as preachers of the gospel, we can't come out here and just appease a crowd the Lord spoke to me a long time ago and he said start preaching like it's the last time they'll hear because eventually it's going to be and so the convictional style preaching has to come with an anointing because gifts don't break yokes anointing breaks yokes so we need anointing an anointed preacher so you say that we're we're one generation away from a godless society build that out when I wrote this book they came to me and asked me to write a book they said which I think was an amazing, amen. Yeah, get a picture of that, please. I need everybody to see that online. Charlie Kirk called my book, amen. Um, They said, we are done with Christian inspirational books. We need voices, not echoes, uh, not just feel good messages, uh, but strong word. And I said, well, the Lord's been dealing, put a burden in my heart. And maybe we can talk about this in a minute about, uh, the, the LGBTQ and, 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 and a closet. But when I was hearing from the Lord about this book, when I was preaching, there's a couple of things I want to kind of make sure I can tie all this in. 1948, let me just lay the backdrop. 1948, 76% of America went to church. In 2021, as I was preaching... On the west coast I was in San Diego, Los Angeles We came home The Lord kept telling me When you see the number 76% I'm going to do something on the earth And I said God I don't want to 75% sounds better because you know The the seed, there's 25% this And it sounds more preachy He said no, 76% And I said okay, 76% 1948, 76% of people went to church 2021, when I got done preaching that prophetic word. I come back home. Something came out on um, San Diego, USA news saying 76%. When I seen that number, my eyes lit up because it said 76% of religious affiliations agree with LGBTQ equality. I said, Lord, is, is this what I am supposed to see? And he said, yes. He said, America has embraced something they should have never embraced in the church and we didn't even have to say anything about it. Some of us, we don't even say anything about it from our pulpits. And because we don't say anything about it doesn't mean that we are saying we disagree with it. We actually are condoning it because we're tolerating it. And so the toleration of this has created what Revelation talks about in Thyatira. You've allowed that woman Jezebel. And that word allow means you didn't say nothing to it, but you didn't, you didn't say nothing about it. And um, the Lord said, this is what I'm doing I said, what does this mean? He said, look what I did in Acts 2. And you look in Acts 2, 120 people were in the upper room. In 2 Corinthians, it says 500, around 500. He said, do the math on that. Went from 500 that seen me to 120 is exactly 76%. The Lord said, I'm cleaning house. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I'm, and this was during the COVID times, He said, I'm cleaning house because COVID was more than just a plague. It was a purge of the church. He said, I'm cleaning house. I'm getting rid of people that are not there for the right reason. And just like the Bible says, I'm sending a shaken so that it will show who remain. Most people are looking at who left. You need to be looking at who's remaining. Because there's a strong plumb line that God has been dropping that is separating wheat from chaff. And if you look at the last days uh and the bible it speaks of this it speaks of five wise and five foolish virgins now a lot of people think different things about that but if they're all virgins and they're all waiting for the bridegroom that means the church that means there's going to be some that look like they are but they're not and so god really spoke to me and he said i am thinning out the church and he said i'm cleaning house i'm cleaning house i said well what do you what do you mean he says what do you why do you clean house and i said well because the company's coming And he said, that's exactly what I did in Acts 2. He said, I thinned it out until the, when the Holy Spirit came. Everybody that seen me couldn't handle it. It was 120 in an upper room that waited, prayed, fasted, and believed God. And the church wasn't marked with a dove. We were marked with fire, wind, and spirit. And that's what we should be bringing. We should be bringing that.
0: So, so talk more about in your book, you said the LGBTQ. How should the church handle these issues? Because we even see churches with
2: pride flags outside of their churches now well I, i've got a video i'd love to show it but what we did is I'll, I'll tell you the propheticness of this season we're in ahab as a king was indifferent elijah shows up 60 plus years after solomon split the kingdom he's sitting there with jezebel and he calls for the rain to stop but in, in I believe it was 2 Kings 18 or 1 Kings 18, God tells Elijah, go present yourself. What I feel is very prophetic for the church today is to not hide from this, but to present yourself. The Lord began to speak to me and said, tell the remnant to present themselves. In other words, you're gonna have to go show yourself to Ahab. You're going to have to speak out loud. You're going to have to. And, and the thing about Elijah is Ahab wanted to kill Elijah. So you're going to have to face the persecution. You cannot hide from it. You can't shrink back from it. you got to prepare people and you got to present yourself. So the two things I really believe that needs to happen is we need to prepare the church for the influx of people that are going to be delivered from LGBTQ because I truly believe that's going to happen. But at the same time, fight the agenda that is causing our society to succumb to that. And so one, you've got to, and I, I don't, I don't want to, hopefully we won't disagree on this because that's one thing I said, I don't want to disagree with Charlie Kirk on a microphone but it's not anti them. We have to be anti sin. I wrote a a post on this. We're trying as a church to hide when they need truth. Now we're in a demoralization in society and some people think it's irreversible. I choose to believe not. I choose to believe that even though they've been inundated inundated with subjective truth, that we can turn the hearts of people. And even if we don't, we still have to be like Noah, and we still have to preach it anyways. And so don't be afraid to preach it. And when I say preach, I'm not talking from a stage only, because if you need a microphone to be a preacher, you're a performer, not a preacher. You need to preach it in every part of your society, And, and you cannot just preach, uh, truth, you have to preach love with it. This is the one thing I learned back in the, about three or four years ago, I was preaching so hard, but I wasn't coming with love. We have had so many people get delivered from homosexuality in our church. My wife, Delana and I pastor a wonderful church in Atlanta, Georgia, 17 years. And I love her. She wanted to be here tonight, but she couldn't. But we, for the last two, three years have seen such an uptick of people getting delivered from homosexuality we learned it's not about getting them from homosexuality to heterosexuality it's about getting them from homosexuality to fall in love with Jesus Christ and they automatically begin to disciple themselves with others to fall in line with heterosexuality so we did something uh, last year in June because we felt like it was a fitting month and we put out seven billboards in Atlanta which is extremely Uh, LGBTQ uh, agendas. It was just very strong. And we put out seven billboards. Within a couple of days, we started receiving backlash from the Gay and Lesbian Association Against Defamation. They threatened us. They put uh, ABC, CBS, Fox, all of the news outlets were outside, national, local, and began to do a, a smear campaign on us because we did it can I just show the video? Because I think that will help people. Yeah, I, I, do we have
0: the video here? Or I, I don't, I'm not sure we do. Okay, great. Roll the video. Roll. Put up a sign that appears to show support for the LGBTQ community, but they're now under fire for what some are calling a bait and switch.
3: and what other creatures are telling us that we are instead of getting to know what the Creator made us to be.
2: I'm proud to be delivered. I am
3: proud to be delivered. I'm proud to be delivered. I'm proud to be delivered. I'm to be delivered. And I'm proud to be delivered.
2: So we put out seven billboards with a seven-color rainbow backdrop, not six-color, the Roy G. Biv, Um, and we got ridiculed for baiting and switching, and we put the word proud to be delivered. This is just something we did, and we felt it was extremely successful, Um, and we did it out of the will of the Lord. People began to just mock us, begin to persecute us, talk about us, and everything that they would do. The Spirit of the Lord was in our church. We would have prayer meetings as we always do on Saturday nights, and we'd pray for these people. And we've seen so many people get delivered from homosexuality over the last two to three years in our church, especially during this time. I remember one gentleman who came into our church and he was full makeup. Hands on the chair in front of him Just white knuckled And his boyfriend had a purse on and everything And uh, hes he was seven years today Six years, I'm sorry This month He came and God completely turned his life around He got in the car with his boyfriend Who was an atheist, didn't know anything about God And he was crying And he said, what was that in there? He said, that's the presence of the Lord I think I think churches right now have got to prepare for an influx of LGBTQ coming to your church. It doesn't mean you have to pamper the room, but there's not much time left. And they're a soul just as much as somebody who has sinned. I mean, Paul said it in Corinthians. He said, as such were some of you, but you were washed and you were sanctified. I'd never, I didn't really preach on this stuff a whole lot until about 2018. And I was in my closet of all places. <laughs> yeah. And I began to weep. Been to cry. My wife came in and said, what is wrong? And she felt the presence of the Lord too. And I said these words. I said, God is in this closet with me. And he's asking me to do something. And I know that if I don't do it, he will never ask me again. I've never struggled with homosexuality. A lot of people, because I focus on it, a lot of people think that, but Jesus didn't struggle with anything and yet he focused on everything. There is a revival coming and God's going to help it. And if you know people, how many know people that are dealing with with homosexuality? Get them ready. Start bringing them to church. Talk to them about the gospel. And preaching is not just telling good news. Preaching is telling an eternal view. We have forgotten to preach hell, second death, repentance, conviction. Because we were trying our best to keep butts in the seats as pastors. And God really convicted me and said, did I call you to put butts in the seats or did I call you to disciple people? Noah was one of the most successful preachers in the Bible. Second Peter and two says, and God called Noah a preacher of righteousness. It's one thing when people call you a preacher, but when God calls you a preacher and puts it in the text, he must be doing something right. And if you look at Noah's track record, he preached for 120 plus years and he didn't have all the campuses, which is great to have campuses. I'm not saying against that, but he only had seven people get in the boat and God called him a success. So preaching and he was a preacher of righteousness. In other words, you're not responsible how they hear it you're responsible that they hear it that means we have to present ourselves because the only way to change the nation is to be the emergent divergent which they did three and a half to five percent got in got come out of a closet i believe the church needs to get back in the closet and i believe the prayer meeting needs to be bigger than the sunday morning service and we need to have intercession and prayer and we need to get back to the basics of the primitive gospel and believe this word can transform lives even people that we think are totally gone i think we should give them another opportunity at the gospel
0: so so miles i want to give you an opportunity before we do questions to present the gospel for people that haven't heard it but I want to just address one part is that some people believe that LGBT is their identity not a behavior how do you deal
2: with that as someone who runs a church
0: and a deliverance ministry
2: well LGBTQ a lot of people think that that is a blood they come, that's how they were born um, there's nothing nothing at all statistically or not, no science or anything that proves that um, identity you you, you you just tell the truth. What are you born with? That's what you are. And the love between uh, male and female is what God created it to be. Identity, and I want to say this: we think most of the time that identity is the the is what the enemy's after. It's not identity. Identity is the means to take away the authority. Many of those who have those identity issues, they have trauma that has happened in their life. Now, that's not the source either. If you look at Romans 1, this is what I preach. In Romans 1, when godly men who knew better suppressed truth, I don't believe that LGBTQ is a source. I believe it's a symptom. I believe the source is when godly men, according to this Bible, Romans 1 suppressed truth and God gave them up, God gave them over, God gave them over. And so when I'm dealing with somebody who thinks their idea, we just had one person and not everybody makes it, but I'm not responsible for that. I'm not responsible. My responsibility is to share the gospel with them, tell them what's right, tell them that there's a hole that's a hundred foot deep right outside those doors. And and if I tell you that you shouldn't walk out of there, you shouldn't walk out of it because many people just don't even warn I don't know that we're in a place right now where we can just have a conversation. I think we have to be in a place, I'm not talking about conversations uh, in in college campuses. I think that's a wonderful thing. Grateful that you do that. (laughs) Thank you. But I think we're trying to, we're trying to discuss something that needs deliverance. And when I say deliverance, not everybody has to puke in a bucket. And I mean that. Jesus cast devils out that was part of the ministry that he gave to us I believe there's a demon demonic manifestation I believe it's it comes from a demoralization that happened 40, 50, 60 years ago when we took out truth from the schools and we took out commandments from the schools and we took out prayer from the schools we suppressed truth and anytime you have one generation suppressing it the next one will deconstruct it the next one will question it the next one will redefine it and that's where we are right now And so bringing them truth to meet their subjective truth, which what they think they are, their authentic self, to help them understand that's not their authentic self, that this is the authority that God has. I think it's amazing, and and I'll finish with this, that when Jesus was tempted three times at the beginning, the first one, he said, if you are the son of God. Most people focus on the bread and, and casting down, but he asked him twice, if you are the son of God, he questions identity. And the next one, if you are the son of God, he questions his identity. He responds with scripture, right? The third one, he doesn't question his identity, he says, bow. And Jesus, he cops an attitude. He says, away with you. I think that's where we are right now. We have to get volatile, and have righteous indignation and stand up for what we believe in to help those who are encapsulated with their mind. They're after, Satan is after the authority of this next generation. And Gen Z and millennials, both of those generations are a reflection of what we did in our generation. So I can't put all the blame on them. We need to look at our generation and say, what would what, what we, we miss out
0: so, so, Miles, in, in closing, share the gospel. We have a lot of visitors and people that come here and you know, they might not yet know the Lord. Share the gospel.
2: Well, the gospel is Jesus Christ come in flesh. And the Bible says in John 1, 14, we beheld his glory. That glory transforms lives. It's transformed mine. I've been in church all my life, but you know when you have an encounter with God, how many can testify that you've had an encounter with the Lord? It's one thing to go to church. It's another thing to feel the presence of God. If you need, if you're in a place where you're struggling and you're like, God, I don't know if, this, if you're real or not. I don't know. Listen, ask Jesus to make himself known to you. So many people think church is about lectures and preaching, which I believe in all of that. But without the presence of God, even Moses said, we're nothing. We've got to get the presence back. And so when you find a place where the presence of God is, it will transform your life. It will change you. The gospel is Jesus in the flesh, crucified, buried on the third day, rose again. And when he got up, we got up with him. And, you know, the Bible says confess your, with your mouth and believe in your heart. It can't just be something that you just say out of your mouth. you got to believe in your heart. And then God says he will put the laws of God inscribed in our hearts. The Holy Spirit will come inside of us and help us and give us the power to live right. You cannot do it without the Holy Ghost. And I believe I'm in an assembly church. Amen. I believe this is a spirit-filled type of church. So... After the Holy Spirit comes that baptism of the Holy Spirit, obviously the infilling of the Holy Spirit upon salvation, but the baptism to help you have that fire, and that is not a fireplace fire. That's not to keep you warm. That's to burn stuff out of you to help you live pure and holy and godly, which is our end result, is to be holy like God. And it's fun to be holy. It's not boring. You don't have to give up a bunch of stuff. You have to give up all the bad stuff. But it's fun living for God. It's adventurous to live for God. And I think people think, oh, if I give up this and if I go after God, no, it's actually more of a of excitement to live for God than it is to live for the devil. So I hope you accept Jesus Christ tonight if you don't know him. I love that.
0: Let's do some questions, guys. Let's start lining up. Miles, uh, l- let's make sure you have an opportunity to plug your book. Um, I think we have some of them out in the lobby too. Uh,
2: yeah. So please. I've got a shirt. We've got shirts out there. And then this book, I think I brought like 60 or 70 of them. It's an urgent call to speak out to a collapsing culture. I do believe we're 26 years away. If you do that sliding scale from 1948 all the way down to where we are now, you got 26 years left, which actually brings us to 2050 if we're here amen at 2050 and that's exactly where you see the muslims uh, actually being equal to christianity in america if a remnant doesn't stand this book is not negative this book is written for the remnant it's not written for the church the the remnant is inside the church we're not better than just bolder than it doesn't make us any better Jesus and God mentioned in the Bible 540 times of a remnant, and Isaiah 1:9 says, "Unless the Lord of Hosts had left a very small remnant, we would have been turned into Sodom and Gomorrah." So it's not the size of the remnant that God's after; it's the heart of the remnant. So you don't have you you, you can be significant and small, which I think if you want to change a nation, you have to have three and a half to five percent of any part of that nation in order to change that nation. And I think it's happening this year. I love that.
0: All right, let's get to our uh, first question on this side here. Is that okay? Who's up? Yes, sir. I
2: think that we're at war between Satan's puppets and people who believe in God. God's warriors. Those who have chosen to be one of God's warriors. Do you see it that way or am I out of line? Well, we are the army of the Lord. And we know the outcome of it. I do believe we're in spiritual warfare more now so than ever. And I think people need to understand the art of spiritual warfare because we think spiritual warfare is camo and rah, rah, rah. But spiritual warfare happens with the most subtle things that turn the hearts of people. And so I think this gift, the spirit of discernment needs to be upon the church right now to understand and be sober and to be guarded and to be vigilant because our adversary is as a lion. He's not. We have the lion of the tribe of Judah.
1: Um, so I'm going to be vulnerable. I don't claim myself as LGBTQ, whatever it is. I'm just me. And ever since I can remember, I've been more attracted to females than men. Um, so I just want more like advice because I'm new into Christianity and I've been more confused than I ever have, you know, because my mom and dad, they've always loved me. So I can only imagine how much more God loves me. So at the end of the day, is that between me and God? Because I I don't, like, I don't know what to do. Because I go to the altar and I, you know, at the beginning I would cry and everything. And I just kind of, you know, like, is he just going to do it in his own time? Like what? Like, like what?
2: How long have you been in Christianity?
1: Just uh, almost a year. One year? Yeah.
2: One year? How long did you uh, deal or dabble in that other life the other lifestyle
1: i've only had like one girlfriend like i'm pretty prudish but like i'm attracted to girls you know like i like i have those feelings for girls but i know that's flesh but like i'm working on denying you know dying to myself and you know living for him but it's it's hard i think
2: i think what you have to be cautious about is singling out when because you have that same sex attraction still you think that People that are opposite sex attracted, such as heterosexual, don't have to be renewed as well. Regardless if you have that desire or this desire, our ultimate is desire, even if it means abstinence, sexual purity, is to be pure before the Lord. So, you know, one year in, if you're still dealing with that, first of all, there's deliverance available to you, just like any of us, hetero or homosexual, you're not a demon, You don't. I don't say that you have a demon in you but I do say you're going to have to guard your eyes your ears and you're going to have to go after God with all of your heart because this demonic deception I think is a Jezebel spirit is so strong but the one, the, the group of people that cast Jezebel out the window was not Jehu it was the eunuchs that had been so severely dealt with 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 jezebel they got sick of her and so while you're striving to live holy for the lord just be abstaining from anything around you that would trigger that come to the altar yes continue to do that i mean i went to the altar 55 times When, when I had stuff going on in my life. So don't think that's, that's not something you, you have to do as well. We all work out our salvation, but most people forget the last, next line in fear and trembling. And so we're all doing that, heterosexual, homosexual, but just know that you gotta get around the right people. You gotta get around a church that loves you, loves you out of that mess, and, 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 you know, understands where you are. Uh, the worst thing you can do is go find somebody else and keep your attractions there. You have to change your appetite. Yeah, and I'll just say, first of all, God bless you for your
0: courage to, to come forward. Absolutely. And th- th- this, is a, this is a church that loves you, and everyone deals with something. There's someone in this audience that has, you know, a sin of alcoholism or a sin of um, gambling or gossip, and so don't walk around with some sort of, you know, oh, my goodness, I feel this, you know, ever present. This is my identity. We all we all deal with sins. And Jesus Christ sets you free of all those sins. And, and 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 you're in the right place and you're going to start to develop um, better practices and better understanding if you keep the faith. And that is that and, and it, it takes time to deny your flesh. It takes time, and everyone that c- that has gone through that will tell you. But things will get easier, and they will get better. Not every day will be easy, not every day will be amazing. But that journey, and God will be there with you all alongside. And you're in the right place. God bless you. Thank you so much.
1: Good evening. Um, welcome. I'm from the Dream Center, and I'm like super amazed that you're here because i asked the lord that we would be able to see you and here you are so praise the lord um my my question question is about legalism or legalistic um i hear that often and people like myself that do speak the word that do share the truth that are not afraid are constantly called legalistic or whatever that is so what is legalism or legalistic the way I understand it is: don't speak about God; show people who God is, which is good. But what do you, uh, the truth, tell, enlighten me with your with the truth?
2: <laughs> Most people that hear the truth and call it legalism are lukewarm. They're lukewarm in their belief. I'm never offended by truth. I need truth, but truth seems to be offensive to a lot of people right now because they have their version of truth. Most people in church that call you legalistic, what is the definition of legalism? To me, it's man-made doctrine. I I can't say how many people have told me because I have long hair, I shouldn't be on this stage. And I have a beard. Uh, Well, Jesus had a beard because they plucked it. So, uh, but people have their... Things you have to do to religiously make your steps towards Jesus. Uh, Jesus already did everything. We sanctify afterwards, which is important. But a lot of people are not preaching godliness, holiness, and they're not preaching separation. And if you look up the word ecclesia, which is the church, it means to be separated and called out of. So we should sound different. And if if you're again, Peter preached the message, three thousand people got saved. Stephen preached the same message and got killed. And the ones that killed him were the religious folk. Not the ones out in the street that Peter preached to. Same message. But they both, one was cut to the heart and repented. The other was cut to the heart and stoned him. So just keep preaching the gospel. We're not going to get away from persecution in this season. It's it's two of the nine Beatitudes are wrapped around persecution. It says you're blessed and a reward in heaven. So go after the rewards.
0: Yeah, and if I were to just a top line definition of what, legalism is in the negative sense is that they would say that the law it redeems we we don't believe that we believe the law will point you to Christ as it says in Galatians 3 and and the only the only criticism that i would accept about quote unquote legalism is more about how people deliver it which is with no love and only truth and we have to try to have both i'm guilty of too much truth and not enough love uh, i'll be very honest with you and i know some of you guys enjoy that um, we all have a gifting right and, but it's also about our disposition. It's about trying to connect with people on a human level. Um, and I, I, it's hard to define what a legalist is. They use it as a pejorative and as a slur. I have found very few pastors that I think would actually fall into a category, but the closest thing of what a legalist would be would probably fit into what we would call the Pharisees in, you know, Matthew, Mark, or Luke, or John, where they're overly policing for the sake of the law and they think that the law will redeem them. Now we don't want to forsake the law. The law points you to Christ because God is a God of order and God is a God of symmetry and harmony and all things must have laws and rules for life, but that ultimately does not give you eternal life. Jesus Christ gives you eternal life. Thank you. I hope that makes sense.
3: So I have some confusion about the tolerance piece in the church. And if we use the word salad version of this gender confusion thing, is that not just aligning your words with the agenda from Satan, which this this word salad thing is could we just start calling it what it is and it's gender confusion
2: you're saying just call it what it is gender confusion Uh, is that what you mean the word tolerate instead
3: of this sentence of letters because it keeps growing
2: by the way it's LGBTQIA2 plus
3: yeah and plus cats, dogs, whatever but I, I don't I believe that that sentence to describe people's Confusion is part of the agenda that takes the focus away from being able to make the change. That if we call it what it is, then we're being that. But we're being honest. Absolutely. And and, and the, the other thing is is promoting and agreeing with Satan's agenda. And it's an agenda to confuse. Absolutely, people's, I think they're not gay. They're not queer. They are confused sexually and with their gender
0: yeah can I, can I take it so the, the better term is SSA same sex attraction that, that's a better term and what I was getting at earlier is that we should resist when people say this is who I am it's more accurate to say this is what you're doing so good. and, and that's, that's two totally different things and it's a very provocative thing to say but it's a behavior not an identity there's only two identities you're either captive of the enemy or you're born again by Christ. There's only two identities. Pick one. That's it. All the other identities don't mean anything. Now, you can have a lot of behaviors within those identities. You could be saved at Jesus Christ and still struggle and act on same-sex attraction. What, what is the issue with the entire month becoming Pride Month is that people insist this is integral to my fiber of who I am. And I think some of you in the audience probably years ago were probably indifferent because pe- people might say privately, they would say, hey, you know, I'm attracted to men. And, and you'd say, okay, not a big deal. It's no longer that way. Now it has to be this month-long, in-your-face, teach-your-children. Because in the 1970s, 80s, and 90s, when a lot of attitudes quite honestly were, hey, not my business, not my, you know, not, not your life, not my business is that it used to be framed as this is an independent lifestyle choice, and but now it's different. Now it's that my entire, the best way I could summarize it is that when you start to see LGBT or whatever gay flags in people's Instagram bios, it's like you're a much more interesting person than just your attraction. But they lead with that because it becomes almost... inseparable with who they view themselves as you're not wrong i think we have to emphasize if you emphasize that it's a behavior then behaviors can stop if you emphasize it as an identity you've already lost the discussion do you have a follow-up on that really quick
3: well i was just wondering what words you could use from the pulpit to not call out the word salad the the alphabet salad instead of agreeing it's like using your voice to agree with their agenda is still my question is like can we start calling it something different
0: yeah maybe same sex attraction and i mean that also deals with the the trans thing is a completely in some ways a completely different so the reason why you get you get trans out of lesbian, gay, bisexual, because some of you might say these are two totally different things, right? How many of you have thought that? Like One of these is an attraction, and the other one is that someone who thinks there's something that they're not, they're actually the same because they're all framed as an identity that is unchanging. Does that make sense? So they, they frame it all together. So the one is identity confusion, the other one is behavioral. Thank you. Appreciate it. So my question is, I'm Eli, I'm from Chandler, but, um, when it comes to the whole letter salad thing and all that, how has that affected, um, like my ability as someone who's a part of Gen Z to do what it says in Proverbs 31, uh, verse 10, a wife of noble character who can find, how, how has that affected my ability to do that? To find a good wife, basically. Yeah. yeah. yeah uh, severely, um, yeah, significant. Are, are you are you having trouble finding a wife? Yeah, I mean, I've never been on any dates or anything. I don't like dating apps or anything like that. So I'm like, I want I want a real interaction, and that's just kind of hard to find. So I was wondering, you know. You know, it's so funny. Uh, all the young ladies say the same thing about all the young men. So it's uh, so, a it's a real problem. All the young ladies say the men are trash. All the men say that the women are trash, and that's the one thing that they can agree on. So yeah, I mean. How is it? Well, so, so in some ways, it should make your job a little bit easier. Um, because we do have the gayest generation in American history. So you don't have as much competition. Wow. Well, I mean, it's not, I'm not making oh, it up. I mean, it's sorry, just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. so you're, you're, you, you, you just have less competitors out there. Um, so... But there, there is something to be said, though. Um, look, I put this more on men than women. And so I I will actually sympathize more with a young lady that complains about men. And I'll cut a man off when they start complaining about women. Uh, because I think men must lead and you must be the best version of yourself. And stop whining and stop complaining. And <laughs> become a better version of yourself. And wake up earlier, lose some weight, become more interesting, go get a nice job. And it's, it's honestly the men's fault. And... I, I get a lot of criticism when I say that, but I just don't think it's interesting when majority of young men are doing weed and drinking into into the night and are not being the best possible version of themselves. But I, I will say, though, that there is a growing trend that um, young ladies are foregoing serious relationships in marriage until their early 30s and mid 30s. Um, it might be the right choice for some people, but that comes with a great cost potentially, and that cost is that we have more si- single, unmarried young 30-something women than married 30-something women for the first time in the history of the country, and it's it's just not a, not a good result. So, but my challenge is, don't be so concerned about how you're underwhelmed by women. Say maybe I'm not as interesting or as attractive as I could be. Am I going to the gym? Am I reading 50 books a year? Am I waking up early? Am I drinking? And if the answer is no, then stop blaming the women and become a more better, interesting, more attractive man, and the women will follow.
2: That's good. Thanks, man. No add is for That was all. good. All right. Okay, I'm going
0: to He's going to go get a gym membership, and he's going <laughs> to... Okay, um, yeah. so my question is, how, would, how do we meaningfully engage with the current culture without losing our own values?
2: Well, I mean, just don't lose your values. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how to answer that like in, a, in a philosophical way, and I don't, I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. Um, but if you're going to go after them, keep your truths. Keep your truths hidden in your heart. You know, a lot of people look at, and this, I'm, I'm a preacher, so I look everything through a, a biblical eye. The Ark of the Covenant, the, it was written too. Inside the Ark was the tablets. It was the, the commandments of the Lord. and He was speaking to it. You don't have to give away your value of what you believe and your authority that God has given you because we are earthen vessels now. We carry that. And even in the New Testament it said, we have those inscribed in our heart now because of the Holy Spirit. When you are engaging in culture, when you are talking to people, just keep your value system. And again, truth and love, truth and love. If you do truth without love, it's 50% grade. If you do love without truth, it's a 50% grade and you're not supposed to fail. Do everything with truth and love.
0: Yeah, I I, I, I would, if there was one thing that I think that I did in the recent couple months where... I would look objectively and I received a lot of good feedback. Did anyone see me on the whatever podcast? Anyone see that? Um, if you're not, please don't watch it unless you really, uh, yeah, it's not exactly the easiest thing to watch, but, um, not an exaggeration. You sit there and it, if you want to be like, see what the world is, uh, that is the world. There are like award-winning, you know, pornographers there and they all just kind of discuss dating and all that. Uh, and the response I received from the audience has been very positive. And you have to just have truth with love. And, but you always have to have your spiritual disciplines really clear and uh, cut out. And, I mean, I go to college campuses. And, yeah, it's tempting to want to pander. You know how much easier my job would be if I went to a college campus? and i just kind of hedged on core truths and i said oh yeah who cares what you do and maybe there is no god I mean, yeah I my mean, my job would be a lot easier but you're not here to be liked by the world you're here to speak truth uh and nowhere does nowhere here's my other piece of advice don't go into the world especially super hostile places like college campuses if you aren't really certain of what you believe and why you believe it because you you will you will get shattered and I say this as someone who's been doing this for 11 years. I mean, it takes a fair amount of study, a fair amount of reflection and spiritual discipline because it is an invisible spiritual war. And you have to, you have to know what you believe and why you believe it and not, not succumb to the enemy. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, Pastor Miles, this question is for you. Uh, I was a youth pastor for a few
3: years. And I had students deal with homosexuality, as you said, among other sins. And I had... Some students basically leave the church because they wanted that lifestyle and they just hated hearing the truth. And I had some accept the truth and get discipled. But I'll never forget one statement that was said that I wanted to ask you what your response would be, would be that they said that basically denying or not agreeing with them being homosexual, they said that it's denying me my humanity. And I remember just being like, what the heck are you talking about? Denying your humanity, like you're alive, you're real. I'm not gonna kill you. But to them, it was like, Everything, And they said, you're denying my humanity. And I obviously had an answer in the moment, but I was curious as to hear, how would you respond to that question?
2: Well, I would say, first of all, sexual preference is a choice. It has nothing to do with your humanity. Nobody makes you choose to do that. That's a choice you make on your own. Um, and as if I was a youth pastor, and, and, and we would tell our youth directors, and, and we as well, I would definitely walk with them. I think that's where we mess up is if we have a personal relationship and they're in our groups, we don't walk with them and we don't love them and bring them in. Uh, the, the reason why a lot of people go into homosexuality, what bothers me is it used to be trauma, Charlie, Charlie. It used to be trauma brought them. They got molested, something like that. Now it's not trauma, it's teaching. They're, they're getting it from an educational perspective, from kindergarten. That's what we're going to see in Congress if we don't change things. And will we already do it, see it. But you, you, they, after they make their identity, most of the reasons why they make their identity is this: they, they find not just preference, but they want community. I talked to a group that had just come out of LGBTQ and they said, keep doing what you're doing, you and Delana and this church, because we were bringing them over to our house. We were spending time with them. They, most of them don't have Community to look and think, and they have a jaded view of their humanity. It, when they get around the like-minded, spirited people of God, they see there's something different than what they grew up in trauma or their teaching. And so that's what I would say. First of all, you're making choices. This has nothing to do with humanity. In and that, and like he may want to say something different. I don't know.
0: No, no, I, I agree with that. And I would also just. Um, they 've been taught that their sexual preference is tied to their survival. This is where they get a lot of this language about you know if you deny my trans identity, then it 's a genocide of my um, my identity, which is just complete rubbish and nonsense um, and look the it 's important to kind of take a step back and have them understand that it 's actually not the most important part of you, and that there 's a lot there 's a lot deeper aspects of you than just that and what miles was saying is super interesting what we're seeing in the clinical data especially on the trans issue which is fascinating uh there's a great book i encourage you all to read it by dr miriam grossman called lost in trans nation i really want her to come for a freedom night she is unbelievable she is the leading she's an actual psychiatrist she's an actual pediatrician that she's not just some sort of abstract academic who's treating people with gender dysphoria and she's all about it And on the trans issue, though, what's fascinating is she finds the vast majority of kids that are self-identifying as trans come from stable 2 parent nuclear family households. Wow. And it's mind-blowing when you look at the clinical data because you would think that these would be kids in the foster care system or kids that were abused. These are kids that have never had any trauma, anything wrong with them. In fact, they've been pampered and they've gone to every possible vacation in private school. And it goes to show that it's an ideology. And that's what's important, that this is not coming from something that happened to them. It's something that's taught to them, and they receive it. And they actually, in some ways, think that they can win social credits points by identifying in that certain way. So God bless you, man. Thank you. We'll take two more. We have time for two more.
1: Uh, thank you for what you do. Um, my question is this. You've been doing such a great work, and I assume that uh, the church family out there in Atlanta has become a target. I'm guessing that some people would come saying they are safe, but they are not, so that they can maybe become part of your community and try to destroy it from within. So my question is, what are some, what's some insights, wisdom, or revelation that God has given you to protect the integrity of the church and the potency of the message?
2: Well, I will say this. If you're going to do this type of ministry, you're going to have to pray. And a lot of people think you have to have a ton of these outside things. No. God gave us intercession. My wife is one of the greatest deliverers in the world. I preach people, they come out of their seats when I'm preaching, the anointing hits me. They come up here, she slaps the devil out of them. You know, I mean, seriously, they flip her off. They say F you and they dance in the aisles, they kiss. One time a a couple got into our church and got out and danced in the aisles and the lights went completely off. The Lord will work in mysterious ways. Nobody did that. It was the Lord. But intercession, a church has to get back to praying. Jesus said, My house shall be called a house of prayer. Not preaching, not singing, not against both of those. Need them. But we got to get back to the primitive parts of praying. Praying gives you the gifts of discernment, the gift of knowledge helps you understand what you're seeing and gives you that ability. I think discernment is the key thing. And that's why my wife started these prayer meetings about 12 years ago, and we don't miss them. We fly back just to be in the Saturday nights. We have to have prayer. Church has to begin to be praying again, a lot more.
0: Final question, and I'm gonna have Miles wrap it up. Yes, sir.
1: Uh, yeah, so I have a few friends who suffer from gender dysphoria. And I just wanna make sure I'm not out of line by suggesting to them that the church will welcome you in as long as you give up the sin of the flesh. That everybody's gonna love you. Just be who you actually are. Be your authentic
2: self, and not try to portray something you saw on television or in the media. Am I out of line for doing that?
0: Well, so if some if a man came in here wearing a dress, hundred percent, I would speak for Luke. They'd be welcome here. What they won't receive, though, if they were asked by a pastor or somebody, I hope I'm not a line, they would not receive affirmation for what they're doing. They would receive love for their soul, love for being made in the image of God. And there would be, if if confronted, they'd say, this is not this is not God's plan for your life. And we're happy to talk to you about that and we're happy to, you know, sit down, but we're glad you're here and we hope you show up every single Sunday at every service. Um, and I want to also just give advice for all of you. And this is what the clinical data shows. When you say gender dysphoria, just so everyone knows that is the clinically correct term for transgenderism. Okay? Now, every somebody in this room, this will impact you. I guarantee in the next 60 days, someone's going to come to you and they're going to say, probably a child, I'm actually a boy. I'm actually a girl. The data shows that first conversation is the most important conversation. Okay. And you could freak out later if you're a parent or a grandparent, you can scream later. But that first conversation, you have to deal with this in a certain way. Curiosity wow tell me more you want that to be the longest loving conversation of your life even though your flesh is telling you to be like you're out of your mind i'm not you know now be clear at the end feel like hey i'm not going to use the pronouns but i'm super interested by what you just shared with me i'm going to go do more research and let's keep talking the clinical data shows that if you handle that first conversation in a long and loving way, you have a huge chance of rescuing that child from gender dysphoria in the next six months. Now, if you handle that first conversation with "No, you're not a boy, and no, you're not a girl, and I know you well, and you're crazy, and give me have your phone," you, the opposite effect. You will then that person will go find other adult-type figures, and you will have a very low chance of rescuing that individual. So I just hope that resonates with some of you. That first conversation, just ask questions. Wow, I mean, how long have you been dealing with that? And uh, w- w- what are the inner feelings that you have? And um, it's interesting, a year ago you didn't feel that way, and not in a sarcastic way, but all of a sudden they're going to feel as if they have a thinking partner with this stuff, right? So now, you're not affirming them, but in some ways you're, a- you're acting in a Socratically th- therapeutic way, where they will even be able to find some of the contradictions, where if you find, they'll be like, well, I don't feel like a boy every day. I feel like a boy on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And all of a sudden, they're like clumsily, like, okay, well, that's interesting. And and it's so hard. If you're a parent and you get approached by a child, a 16-year-old, that all of a sudden says, hey, I'm a boy and I want to go on hormones, everything in your fiber wants to pound the kitchen table and go find who's responsible for this, right? But I have to insist... And that first conversation could literally save your child's life. It could literally save your child's life. To answer your question, though, I don't think I'm out of line by saying, I hope everybody who is suffering from gender dysphoria in Phoenix comes to church here. I really do. I hope that they'll get renewed. I hope they'll find Jesus Christ and they'll have a better future. They, they won't get affirmed, but they might get delivered. It's a big difference. Thank you. Miles, you want to wrap it up?
2: Absolutely. Thank you. Every time we have service, I think the most... I'm going to stand up. I'm a preacher. This is very difficult for me. Um, Every time we have church in Atlanta, uh, I don't care what I preach. I don't care what I say. If the end result isn't turning somebody's heart to God, it's completely, to me, a failure. And I don't know who you are in this building or where you come from, but I do sense in my spirit that some of you are on the fringe of, should I make this commitment? Should I go all in? Should I live for Christ? Let me tell you something. It is the most important decision you will make in your life. Eternity, this is not this, eternity is not the afterlife. This is the pre-life. Eternity will be eternal, and people will spend it in one to two places. They're going to be at least either with God or away from God. I don't know about you, but that puts a fear in me that's healthy as a believer, because a lot of people in church go to church, but that don't mean they're saved, because they don't work out their salvation in fear and trembling. And they practice what they shouldn't be practicing. The Bible says in the last days, it'll be like Noah and Sodom and Gomorrah. And we're talking a whole lot about the LGBTQ agenda. But in Noah's day, it was rainbows. That's what marked Noah's day. And he was a preacher. In Sodom and Gomorrah, it was sexual immorality and Abraham interceded. You have to have both. And you have people in this and I don't know, maybe I'm speaking to somebody here that's struggling with your same-sex attraction or your gender dysphoria, some of the things that you might be dealing with. First of all, I want you to know, God loves you. God died for you. All of us are sinners. All of us need repentance, heterosexual and homosexual. We have to come to the Lord. We cannot continue or practice Do we commit to something happen where you fall off the boat? Maybe. But if you have your heart and your mind set upon Jesus Christ, I have found a lot of people that if they just dive all in and they give their heart completely to Jesus Christ and you get around a church like this that will walk with you and not judge you every day but help you, um, you will find such immediate joy and you will have that sustenance of joy. And how many know we need joy in this season right now? This is a massive time, so I don't know if everybody could just stand to your feet. I'm, I'm going to, can I just offer the plan of salvation? I have the privilege of offering Jesus Christ to you today. Jude says, in the book of Jude, it says, some save with love, others snatch them out of the fire. I think we're in a season right now where we're needing bold voices to just head on tell you there is a hell you have to shun and listen to me there is not a lot of time left all signs are pointing to a second coming but before the second coming of of Christ there's a second coming of his church there's an outpouring in Joel 2.28 that we are recipients of since the early days till now. And the persecution, the earthquakes, everything that you see, the Euphrates River drying up, everything you see is pointing that there is something coming right around the corner. And this is not a time to play with God, ladies and gentlemen. It's not a time to be on the fringe because it was five wise and five foolish virgin. And when he came back, the five foolish, they were in church, but they didn't, they didn't make it. They didn't have their their wicks trimmed. They didn't have oil. And so that bothers me as a preacher sometimes. When I look out in a vast audience, there's two types of people that need to come to Christ. There's those that have never made the commitment and those that say, I need to make a fresh commitment. I need to grab this thing and hold on to it. And I need to go after God, not just for sanctifying of yourself, but because we are in such a generation that needs you to live for God and be on fire. My heart is stirred tonight, every head bowed, every eyes closed. If you're here today and you're like, I need to make a fresh commitment. I need to make a commitment. I want you to know that no man's promised tomorrow and you need to hear that. Your own own breath is on loan. He breathed breath of life into Adam and that's how you've been breathing. It's on loan. It's not even yours. God can take it. If you're in here today and you're like, man, I, I, I want to come to Christ, I need a fresh start with the Lord. I need some things to change. I'm confused and I need you, God, to bring some clarity to my confusion. I will not preach something soft to you. Living for God can be a hard thing, but it's the most rewarding thing. And I'm, I'm for you. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. If you're here today and you're like, man, I need to give my life to Christ. I cannot do this anymore. I need a touch from the Lord. I need to feel his presence. If you're in here, would you shoot your hand up right now on the count of three? One, two, three. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There's about... There's about 50 hands. Do you have them come down? Can we have them come down? The Bible says, If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Lord. I would love for you to come down and have an old fashioned altar call service right now. Would you walk if you lifted your hand? There's about 50 of you. Listen, this is not a walk of shame, this is a walk of fame. And I want you, if you're not walking, I want you clapping because there's more rejoicing in heaven in the presence of angels so there are people coming and we don't stop clapping until they stop coming can you make some Holy Ghost noise up in this church while people are making a decision hallelujah somebody shout hallelujah come on don't stop clapping come on church don't stop clapping this is the best moment right here the whole night wow awesome They're still coming. We don't stop clapping. Come on, everybody in the place. Make some noise. Do you realize how many people have prayed, maybe in heaven, grandmothers, mothers, fathers, for this moment, for these people to stand here? And we're seeing it right now. Anybody else? Here's what we do at our church. Here's what we do at our church. Well, we still got coming. They're still coming. Keep clapping your hands. Thank you for coming. Wow. Amen. Here they come. Keep them. Are you coming? Come on. We're so excited, man. This is what God wants right here, right at this altar. Thank you. Listen, I want you to do one more thing. If you're a believer, lift your hand in their room. Put your hand down. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor. If you're looking at me, you're not looking at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, I will go down there with you if you want. If they say, yes, I need you to, don't delay. Grab them right now by the hand and pull them out and come down. One, two, three. Let's go. That's called an evangelism. You guys just were evangelists right inside your church. Come on, y'all. Does anybody else have chills in the Holy Ghost house? Come on. I need some people to shout hallelujah in this room. Let's go. Come on, make some room for them. Bring them down here, ushers, if you could. Wow. Wow. Wow Yeah Wow Wow When you come down here I think we still have some more I don't know if you can get them around here But just I want you to try to At least get a hand or something This is not a stage It's an altar Don't look at it as a stage right now It's an altar It's a place of, of, that's lifted It's a place for an altar And an altar is when you give up something And you receive something you're going to give up something. You're going to give your life to Christ. That means you deny yourself and you say, God, I am not living for myself anymore. I am purchased possession. So I want, if you can try to touch this stage or try to touch, get close to it. I want you just to, as a, as a visual reminder to know that that's where I, that's where I, I laid stuff down. This is wonderful. Now, a confession, a prayer doesn't get you to heaven but when we confess what I'm about to speak I want you to say after me we're doing this because the Bible says certain things and we want to cover them so I want you to say this and listen to me repentance means to turn away so you can't come down here and say you're sorry and put your hands in. you have to say God I am done with that lifestyle in my life I'm done with it I'm sick of it I move away from it I turn away I turn towards God but I want you to say some things and I I grew up in a in a non-denominational church and then went to a Pentecostal church and so some people tell you to hold on some people tell you to let go this is a whole lot of stuff but one thing about that's true about an altar is we got to get back to this and we need to feel we need to feel and we need to see this cannot be this cannot be an indifferent moment it can't be just an easy casual moment I want you to close your eyes and I want you to see in your moment. And I don't know how much time we have left. I apologize if I'm taking too much time, but I feel very, very driven to tell you this. I need you to see Jesus on the cross. I need you, if you have to shut your eyes, sometimes the best way to see is to shut your eyes. I need you to see the blood. I need you to see the Via Dolorosa. I need you to see the hands in his, the, the marks in his hands and in his feet. I need you to see it because if you don't see it, you won't realize the price that was paid. That was his altar and he did it for you and me while we were yet sinners, meaning while we were doing our junk, he still loved us enough to die for us. He knew it before. Make it real. Say these words after me, dear heavenly father, I repent. I need a savior and I need a lord tonight I walk away from fleshly appetites things that are keeping me bound I turn away from the kingdom of darkness and I turn towards your kingdom of light you said in your word if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is my Savior and Lord that I shall be saved today I make a confession Jesus Christ came in the flesh as the Son of God He died on a cross He was buried in a tomb but three days later I believe he resurrected and because he got up i'm getting up i thank you god that you choose to remember my sin no more today i have a fresh start in you i deny myself i pick up my cross and i follow you jesus you're not only my savior But you are my Lord. I no longer own myself. I'm a purchased possession. God, take me. Use me. Holy Spirit, put your hand on your belly. Holy Spirit, seal me out for the day of redemption. And fill me up so that I can have empowerment to do the will of God in my life. Today I'm saved. And eternity with God is my portion. In Jesus' mighty name, now I want you to give the biggest shout you've ever given on this night.
0: Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Email us, as always, freedom at charliekirk.com. Thanks so much for listening, and God bless. For more on many of these stories and news you can trust, go to charliekirk.com.